Good morning, everyone. Good morning. I mean, good morning, everyone. Good morning. There we go, a bit more awake. Uh, welcome. Uh, it's so, so good to be able to unpack scripture. I'm not going to lie. This is a, um, a beautiful thing that as our teams are growing, our roles are adding and changing. And so I get to come in and just chill out and worship and I get to hang out. Uh, and and as, as the next few weeks come, you're going to see different faces at the front, which is a real exciting thing uh, from different people leading services, different people preaching as well, um, which is just such a joy. I'm super excited about this morning um, because we are kicking off a, a brand new series. Um, uh, and everyone loves a new series, right? Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. There we go. There we go. Um, so our new series um, is entitled For the Glory, um, and I, I leave it with you to interpret uh, what that might mean to you. Uh, For the Glory is, is what it's about, and um, it's around the, the entire series, and it's going to essentially take us up through to that of Easter, um, and the, the whole series is, is based around our verse for the year. Um, which some of you may have already seen if you were watching the rolling notices. You may have picked up on that. Um, but uh, it's, it's all about our verse for the year, and we're unpacking that starting today and will for the next uh, kind of few weeks, few months, I guess. Uh, and I'm really, really excited about it. But the, the cool thing about, I think, the verse for the year is that really we can see how God's been speaking to us kind of throughout the years. Um, and obviously, God is amazing, and he is powerful. He is all-powerful. And so he will speak to us individually and at different times in different ways. But what I love about the verse for the year is that I feel like there's a kind of overarching theme, message that God gives us, that he's saying, hey, this is for you for this next year. And so all things, no matter what comes, no matter what valleys you may hit or what mountaintops you may have, keep this as part of your focus. Now, I believe that God is so good that our, our kind of verses for the year kind of built on each other a little bit. And so some of you may have only been hanging out. I mean, some of you might be visiting for the first time. You might be guests for the first time today or online for the first time today. So a special welcome. Uh, you might not have even seen or heard our verses for the year. Some of you all might have been here for a couple of years and, and maybe picked up on last year's and not known. So we're going to do a bit of a whistle-stop tour of the verses for the year for the last seven years, eight if you include this new one, uh, which is essentially the time that I've been here. Now, I know I've been told by those who've been here longer than I have that GBC has always had a verse for the year, but I can't speak into the ones before. Um, I, can't, I don't even know all the ones before, if I'm honest, um, but I can speak from what God has been doing uh, in us and through us since kind of our time here. Many of you will know these, but we're going to go through whistle-stop tour. So 2017 first. Our verse for the year for 2017 was Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness." A real sense that actually we were to be taking off all of our brokenness, all of our past, all of our things that were stopping us from hearing God and putting on this new self, realizing that we are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, some of us might be sat here right now going, man, I need that to be my verse for the year right now for 2024. Maybe God is speaking that over you personally. Perhaps this might be it. I don't know. But we went from that moment of kind of feeling to take off our old and put on the new to then have our verse for the year for 2018, which was forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Now, I'll be honest, this is probably one of the scariest verses that I ever felt I shared at the church because uh, when I joined the church, and if you've been around for a while, we were very different than we are now. Um, And I remember being given this word, this verse from God to share, and I'm feeling like it's going to land like a lead balloon. People are going to be thinking that I'm just saying, forget everything you've ever done. Forget the history of the church. Forget all of that. It's rubbish. We're going to move this direction. But it's not that. It was never that. It was actually forget what we're stuck in. Forget the past ways that we've lost ourselves in and recognize that God's doing a new thing. And that's not to dishonor what God's already done, but that's to be really encouraged by what God is doing and what he's going to do. And I think that this word is something that I personally hold on to on a regular basis for my life. Because I, I constantly pray that I would not be a, a, a stumbling block, a hindrance to us as a church or me as a family or our friendships to ever be moving forward to the something new that God may have. And I wonder how often, because if you're anything like me, you're a creature of habit. So if you've been coming to the church for a while, let me ask you this. Are you sat in the same pew that you've been sat in for however long? Oh, that normally is yes. I'm so impressed. You knowers are like, come on, doing something new. But oftentimes we're creatures of habit. I know that my children and my wife, that, that pew right there, that's where they sit. And, and it's weird. Even my wife who knows, I'm like, I challenge people, go sit somewhere else. She's like, but, but I can't. It's, that's my spot. No, but you can. And then we moved on from 2018 to 2019, which was John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This real call, weirdly, a very inward-looking verse for the year for us as a church, that actually we were called to love one another, those within the church, to recognize that actually how we love one another uh, is that that's what's going to allow others to see that we're disciples of Christ, that it's going to allow others to see that, that we love him and follow him. And I've made it no secret that 2019 was, for us personally as a family, one of the most difficult years. And I don't think that's a coincidence, <laughs> It was a challenging year for us as a church. We journeyed a lot of stuff. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think God was saying, hey, to get through this year, you really have to push into loving one another. And God is good. Praise God. He is good. Amen. Amen. There we go. You're still with me. And we've made it through 2019. And then we entered into 2020. And we were all excited for 2020. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Imagine getting that verse in January 2020. Woohoo! March 2020. What? But how appropriate a verse that we were called to give our entire selves as an act of worship. When we couldn't gather in regular ways to worship, when we couldn't come together to sing like we did this morning, when we couldn't come together to give each other physical hugs, we were challenged by God to recognize that this is not our only form of worship. That actually giving ourselves fully in serving is our worship. And out of that came us supporting households across the community, serving and delivering food for uh, uh, the, the, the 
farm shop. I almost called it the butchers. I mean, they have a butchers, but the farm shop down the way. We're delivering food for them. We kind of really picked up our need project. And it was like, went from two or three parcels a week to, oh my goodness, how many parcels a week? From there, from that service was born what we now call the Gamlinge Food Project. From that service, we had, we had launched the cafe in January 2020, and we shut down the cafe in March 2020. But from that heart of service came a delivery day in the midst of lockdown where the team came, and we were in the backroom cafe, masked up, doors open, freezing our bums off. It has to be said, more, more separated than we could ever do. I remember Nick and I were making coffees, and at the time, we didn't have the one big machine. We had two small home ones, and he was on one end of the bar. I was on the other end of the bar, both masked up, going, you're right. Cool, let's make them. Like, and it was, we were taking orders over the phone and our team, our fellowship delivered coffee and cake to people's doors. We were like a, a modern day delivery. delivery. I almost called it Uber and I was like, no, it's not Uber. <laughs> Uber Eats. I could have gone Uber. I could have just gone Eats. Uber. We were a modern day Uber Eats in the midst of a pandemic to deliver simply cake and coffee. And people were like, Why? Because we love God and we love y'all and we want to literally give our entire selves. It was weird for so many, but for us, it was God was speaking to us. Then we fast forward to 21 and it was simple. Some people were like, great, I've been memorizing these. And this one was an easy one to memorize. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And you go, it's easy to memorize, but man, was this tough to live out. And we unpacked the fact that actually we were coming out of lockdown in 21 and there was a lot to be kind of joyful of and there was a lot to be hopeful for, but man, there was still a lot of affliction and we were called to really dive into that, being faithful in prayer, being faithful in actually whatever we're giving to God, keep on going back to him in prayer, keep on going through. And for many, I think 21 was a year that kind of just flew by. We remember 2020 and you probably remember 22 because you kind of start coming out to more normality. But 21 was somewhere there in the middle where it's like, we're kind of a bit more, but we're not. And where are we up to? And God was just saying, hey, be joyful in the hope that you have in me. You might not have all the rest of your regular lives as you, as you expected them to be. And hey, it all feels different and you're coming out of lockdown, but not really. And all this other stuff, be joyful in the hope that you have in me. It was a refocus for us on him. And then we fast forward to 22. And I know that this one resonated for quite a few people. It was run the race with perseverance, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And by the time we got to 22, we had kind of taken this massive break as humanity in kind of 20 and 21. We, you know, in one sense, our lives had slowed down. Some people loved that. Some people hated that. Some people thrived. Some people struggled. It was this real mix. But regardless of what kind of lockdown you had, you came out in 2022, you're suddenly, you were running a race. You were running crazy. Because life just picked back up, whether it be work, whether it be family, whether it be relationships, everything was on a max tilt. And what God was just saying, hey, keep on just running, persevere, but don't just run in your own strength. No, 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 don't do that. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Do you see how they all kind of just build on themselves? Like, I just love how good God is. And I've, I've said it before, I'm not clever enough to like look years in advance and be like, this is the verse for this year. And I, I'm just not that guy to be that forward thinking or plan. This is all what God has been doing and saying in our time. How awesome is that? And then we go to 23. And 23 was this past year. If you've been around the church for a while, hopefully you have it memorized. Of course you do. I'm not going to look up at anybody. Don't you worry. But we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there. 
by everyone of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. 23 was about growing up, about recognizing that we had to grow up. And I think I personally have found growing up is never easy. I don't know. Maybe you found it really easy. Maybe you're perfectly grown and come give me some tips. But growing up is a challenging thing. And there was this reminder that no longer, no matter how long we've been Christians, no matter if we're brand new to faith or we've been around for decades and given our lives to Jesus, we have to keep on growing up. And it was one of those things that actually, as we persevere in running the race, as we keep our eyes fixed on him, we start to realize that we grow up and that the race that we keep on running, we're doing so growing up in his strength, not ours. And then that leads us to this year's verse. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1. It's a bit of a weird one. I've had a few people, why, why 11, 1? Well, technically, because actually the division of scripture came afterwards. And if you read it, it just naturally ends at 11, 1. So 11 starts with this kind of random out of place verse. And then you go into 11, 2 and you're like, what? So we are ending where it was probably meant to be divided. And it says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I wonder what God is immediately saying to you as you hear that verse, as you read that verse. Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We're going to unpack this, and we're going to start in our whole series, uh, For the Glory, is going to be unpacking this. And um, we're going to dive into our title for this morning, because I know some of you guys like titles. Some of you guys are big and all of that. So if you want a title, the sermon title is, are you ready? Whatever. That is it. One word. My man, a few words today. That's not true. I can't promise that. I'm learning to not promise that. But if you like the title, you can write it down, whatever. And again, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at that verse. Uh, next week, there will be cards uh, that you can take with you, and you'll hear us encourage you next week. or no, As of next week, it's third Sunday, so you won't necessarily see it in the service, but they'll be available in the cafe. The following week, you'll hear us encourage you to take them with you, to take several. Pop one in your wallet, pop one in your visor, pop one on your mirror, where you do your makeup, where you brush your teeth. Read it. Pray it, learn it, let God speak into your life through it. But for now, whatever. So we're going to dive into scripture. And as you can imagine, it's going to include our verse for the year, but we're going to go. Uh, oh, I didn't change the, uh, the, I'm looking at the live feed. I didn't change the lower third. Apologies. We're going to start at verse 23 in chapter 10. So chapter 10, 23, and we're going to go through to 11, 1. Uh, so chapter 10 of 1 Corinthians Starting at verse 23, and it says this. 
I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. Both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own, but my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, before we can dive into perhaps some of the, the, the key points that I think God wants to take out for us this morning, we have to remind ourselves of the, the context of the Corinthian church. Uh, Corinth was um, quite easily described as a very broken place. Uh, there were people worshiping all sorts of gods. There was division among leaderships. There was division among churches. There was a division among who worshiped what God. There was all sorts of uh, debauchery and sexual immorality, which are the big church words, the big ones that we find in the Bible. But essentially, ultimately, the brokenness and sinfulness of humanity was super, super visible in this space. Now, if I'm 100% honest, I think the Church of Corinth very much reflects most of the world today. We don't like to talk about that because we are prim and proper people. We are not immoral or anything like that. It's them over there. But the reality is, is that what, what Paul is writing to, and he, we have to be very specific. He's writing to a very specific context, a very specific church, right? But who he's writing to, I think, could very easily be seen as us in our world today. The thing is that we are possibly more accepting of the division. We're possibly better at hiding some of our own brokenness. I mean, I, I said this morning in hymnal praise, that, that word sexual immorality, we don't really talk about because the moment we hear it, we automatically think of other people. It's them over there. I don't struggle with that. But actually, we live in a day and age where pornography is one of the most viewed things on the internet and, and pornography isn't about them over there. <laughs> pornography is about you and your screen. And already I say that word and some people are like, don't look at him. Don't make eye contact. Others are like, make sure you look at him so he doesn't think he's talking about me and I'm not afraid of this word. And every, others are just like, I don't know what to do. He's talking about that word, pornography. What do I do? Uh, it's weird. But, but the brokenness exists. And statistically, we'd love to say that no one in this room struggles with it, but statistically... There are plenty of us in this space right here, right now, who come and love Jesus and worship him with all that we are, but battle that addiction or the addiction to alcohol or the addiction to drugs. We don't talk about it because it's not pleasant. It's not nice, but it's true. 
And please hear, if you're one of those people battling one of those addictions, you don't have to hide away. If you're battling one of those addictions, God wants you to be free. And there is freedom in Christ from those things. And sometimes it's instant miraculous as we pray for you. And sometimes it might take time. There might be a journey, but there's freedom from those things. Perhaps it's not pornography or alcohol or anything like that for you, something else. But the, the, the point is, is that the brokenness which, with which we journey and struggle and battle with, which perhaps we're not always open and honest about, exists with us now and existed with them then. And one of the things that very specifically we see Paul talk about, even in the verses I read, is this thing about food. Because there were other gods, because there were other um, deities that were being worshipped, some of the food that they were eating was actually sacrificed for those other gods. Um, and, and, and to be fair, you might have friends who have other faiths who might still live by that. Oftentimes, nowadays, it's not as prevalent. Nobody really tells you I sacrificed this to the God of whatever. It's not really common language, but it might still be the case. You might not find yourself across the table from somebody uh, and having to make the choice of not eating this lamb sacrificed to whatever God. That might not be your situation, but the reality of what it represents is there. And so Paul is writing... <laughs> to this church and saying these things to these people that actually is a a very similar, I would say, world to what we're in now. Division among leaders. Division among leaders within the church. And all sorts of different things. There were lawsuits back and forth among Christians. It's all there in scripture. Like people were taking each other to to task. There was lack of love, lack of community within and outside of the church. So... The first thing I think uh, I, I felt God really point out is that our freedom cannot be judged by someone else's conscience. And this is a really tricky point because I think it goes two ways. And so you need to hear both ways, but recognize that there's one focus. We have been set free in Christ. Amen? Amen. Everyone's like, oh, but you just said I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in my addiction. I'm not, yeah, but there's freedom in Christ. Hear that. We have been set free in Christ. Or we can be set free if we're still there. We continue to be set free from whatever many things that we might be trapped in. And that freedom will not always be understood by those around us. And so there is this sense that actually what we do and how we do it may not make sense to the world around. Again, looking at uh, verse 27, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. There's this exact thing of saying, you are free to go and eat, go and be merry, to go and do. There's a sense that as we are free in Christ, you can go and live your life. Go, live your life. And ultimately, as you go and live your life, do not recognize others' judgment in their minds on you. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then don't eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you or for the sake of conscience. Why is, moving on, 29, for why is my freedom being judged by, another one's, by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? Ultimately, Our judgment, who we stand before, is God. That's who we stand before. And so often we make decisions based on what other people will think of us, as opposed to what God will think of us. 
And sometimes the decisions that we make are actually not the decisions that God wants us to make, but we made them because others will accept that decision. We are not denounced. We are not judged by someone else's conscience thought process. Now note that, again, this, this, this freedom is not that we are free to sin. It is not go and sin and be merry and know that no one's judgment bothers. It doesn't matter. He doesn't say that. He says you have a freedom to abide in relationship with Jesus. You have freedom to be in relationship with him. So what is your relationship with Jesus leading you into? And some of what it leads you into is going to be awkward for the non-believer, and some of it might be awkward for the believer. The reason we have so many denominations of churches is because there have been clashes of how certain things are seen and interpreted and viewed, and like we're slightly more charismatic in nature in our 1045 service, but we're slightly more traditional in our 930. Historically, the church has been more traditional, and some of what we've even done and said and accepted, there were people who've worshipped in this space who do not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for today. They're called what's called cessationists. Now, that means that actually they believe that the Holy Spirit is real, was poured out, but all the things like miracles and tongues were for the time of the disciples. And then here comes Adrian, charismatic pastor, who believes in that stuff for today, who will preach it, who will pray, who has a prayer language, who will openly talk about praying for healing and seeing it happen, who will offer to pray for healing. And that suddenly was a rub for some. And even that, see, even in that moment, you can relate it to that. My relationship with Jesus, my interpretation of where Jesus takes me in Scripture says, hey, that's for now. Don't let that be a judgment on me and stop me from doing what God's called me to be. But equally, I can't therefore hold it against them. How dare you not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for today? What is wrong? Do you even know Jesus? Do you even love him? That's not helpful either. (laughs) And unfortunately, that's been seen as well. I've got friends who are Pentecostal, charismatic preachers, pastors, who will openly say someone who loves Jesus, who hasn't spoken in tongues, has not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, does not have the Holy Spirit in them. I disagree with that. (laughs) I don't see that in scripture as the marker of, it is a marker that, hey, if you speak in tongues, pray in tongues, that's the Holy Spirit in you. But it's not the only way. It's also a gift of the Spirit. That's a whole other sermon. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But there has been such division and markers among others, even within the churches, And what we're reminded is that our freedom cannot be judged by someone else's conscience. We are free in Christ. You are free in Christ. Now, this particular example, again, he goes on, he's talking about food. And he's talking about the fact that we're not bound by the law. There were food laws. And he's kind of saying, hey, if you're you're in Christ, if you believe in him, those food laws are not really applicable to you. If you want to hold on to them, you want to live by them, you want to, okay, but you don't have to. If somebody else wants to, let them. But equally, if you just want to thank God for your food, for your meal, it's all right. 
this, this kind of idea that we have freedom to do whatever we want. Some of us I'll hear that statement and we go, oh, I have freedom to do whatever I want. Yes. I'm going to walk out of this church right now because he's preaching too long. You have that freedom. No, but we, we have this freedom and we, we often think of that phrase, freedom to do whatever we want, as literally to do whatever we want. We can eat that meat or, eat, or drink that drink or not eat that, not do that. We can live our lives as we see fit. That sounds awesome. Some of you are like, that's what I want. This is the sermon I've been waiting for, Adrian, that you would tell me I can do whatever I want. Yes, in Jesus' name, more of that. But actually, there's a but. It's a big but. It's a big but, not that kind of big but, y'all-minded people. Come on now. Especially me, i got a small one. Let's not even anyway. It's a big but. You can do whatever you want. We can do whatever we want, but whatever we do should be for the glory of God. (laughs) It's a big but. Do whatever you want to do. Go and do it. If it's for the glory of God. Of God. And I love how Paul is, is so, so like theologically minded, awesome, yes, but he's also so pastoral that he doesn't in this letter say, No, you numpties, don't eat the food, or yes, why aren't you just eating it? You're free. He says, Listen, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, you might decide to do something else. You might decide to half eat or boil it in the drink, or whatever you decide to do, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. How awesome is Paul? He's like, I know you. You're going to hear it. You're going to hear the do whatever you want. You're free. You're going to go off and do something stupid, aren't you? I know you well enough. I know you're going to go and say, well, Paul said I could do whatever I wanted. So I'm going to do it because it's what he said. But whatever you do. See, the thing is that this, this, again, he's speaking very specifically into this context around that of food, but, but throughout all of 1 Corinthians, you see this underlying theme of like, actually, there is a way that we should be living. There is a way that we who love Jesus should be going about our business. And that should be reflecting who God is. That should be reflecting who he is in our lives. That should be reflecting the changes that we're seeing. That should be reflecting our awesome, amazing creator, God. Do whatever you want, but do it for his glory. Do whatever you want, but do it for God. Do whatever you want, but let it point to Jesus. Whatever you decide to do. And, 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 I, and I love that because he's literally saying in one sentence, yes, it's about food, but it's beyond. So we can look at it from beyond that of food. And now you might be thinking, well, what does it mean to bring glory to God, Adrian? How, how do I do that? What is, what, is, what is glory, Adrian? I love a good definition. So here we go from the dictionary, y'all. Glory, high renown or honor, magnificence or great beauty, the splendor of bliss, of heaven. This is probably one of my favorite. Praise, worship, and thanksgiving. And therefore to glorify is to praise 
and worship God. It's described or to represent as admirable, especially unjustifiably. There are so many times in our lives that things can go wrong, yet we're still called to glorify God. There are so many times in our lives where things are going beautifully well that we should be praising and worshiping God. Like, do whatever you want to do, but bring glory to God. Bring praise to him. Bring worship to him. Bring that magnificence and awe of who he is. Whatever you do. See, the thing is, this amazing statement from Paul really goes beyond what we would expect and imagine. Because you or most people would think, well, Adrian, as a pastor, that is your job. As a leadership team member in the church, Mike, Nick, Mike, Sally, that's y'all's job. To bring glory to God. But it's not. It's anybody who loves Jesus. So let me ask you this. Whatever you do, let me just ask you this. Who or what is getting the glory in your life? Because the reality is as we live life, like I guarantee you, your day to day, you are glorifying something or someone guaranteed every day of your life. Show me where you spend your money and I can tell you what you glorify. Show me where you spend your time. I can tell you what you glorify. Show me your list of hobbies. I can tell you what you glorify. Now, suddenly you're thinking, oh, I have to live a boring life because all about it for Jesus is going to be so boring. No, it's not what I'm saying. Whatever your hobbies, you're a gamer, okay, game, but how are you going to represent and give God the glory as you game? You're a runner, okay, then how are you going to glorify God as you run? You're a musician, then how are you? I don't, I don't want to write worship songs, Adrian. I want, okay, you don't have to write worship songs, but you can glorify God in how you do it. I work at a bank, Adrian. Okay, well, how you love those around you will bring glory to God. I'm a barista. Guess what? How you prepare that drink will bring glory to God. It's so ridiculous to say I know and, I, and I, I hear myself and I catch myself, but I genuinely believe the reason that the Backroom Cafe has seen any form of quote-unquote success is because it's not us going, look at our lovely coffee. Ooh, did you know it's hot? I mean, I am a coffee snob, so I will talk about the hot numbers coffee. I get that. But the fact that we even have the cafe, the fact that we even have that relationship with hot numbers, the fact that we even could even afford, there were people who thought we would literally be out of pocket. We can't give away free coffee, free cake. What is wrong with you, Adrian? Yet the reason we do it is to love God and love people through it, to bring glory to him. Our prayer with the team every Monday or every third Sunday when we gather back there is, Lord, as we give out a coffee, as we give out a piece of cake, would it go with your love? Would people know you? See, giving God the glory doesn't have to be hard. We make it hard. Doesn't have to be awkward. We make it awkward. Well, Adrian, you don't know my friends. They they don't do church and they don't love Jesus. And I can't just talk about Jesus. You know how many friends I have that don't do Jesus? Loads. You know how many times I talk to them about Jesus? Almost every single time. You know who brings it up? Them. I, I don't have to go around preaching from a soapbox. That isn't me. 
But when I hang out with people, the conversation comes up. I was at a New Year's Eve gathering and I was literally just going and I was there with the family and we we're just going to have a bit of food, a couple of drinks. And we we're going to head home before the, the I was going to say the ball drops, but that's not, that's in the States. What do you got? The fireworks of the thingy, the oh man, I'm so not British. What's the London eye. There you go. Fireworks. Boom. I'm sorry. I, I get lost in it anyway. And literally from like the moment I walked in to pretty much the moment I walked out, I had conversations with loads of people and I'd say a good 80% of those conversations we're about, we're about faith. About Jesus. Now, did anybody come to faith? No. I mean, not that I know of. Maybe something. Maybe the Lord did something, and I'm just not aware. That's possible. But in all those things, I was able to just, you know, bring glory to God. And I didn't have to go, glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Did you guys know I love Jesus? Didn't have to do that. Oh. I just woke up a child. I'm so sorry. Whoopsie. He's back. He's down. He's, oh. I don't have to go around like that. I'm loud, and I could go around like that, but I don't have to. But the thing is, I can guarantee that something or someone is getting in the way. If God isn't getting your glory, something else is. Simple as. So what's getting your glory? It might be one thing, maybe, to ask this. And, and then, uh, yeah, let me, let me ask you this now. Are you doing things in life with the aim of God getting the glory? Or, or are you doing things in life with the aim of you getting the glory? Or, or someone else getting the glory? See, because that might be one of the reasons that you don't see those moments of giving God the glory on a daily basis. Because actually you were raised, like I was, to chase a certain dream, to chase a certain vision of success. And so you do it, and you work hard, and you work hard, so you can, by the end of it, turn around and say, look at what I have achieved. But that isn't giving God the glory in that. It's giving me the glory. Now, sometimes we mask it and say, well, no, if it wasn't for the Lord. But actually our intentions, our drive, our inner... Now, don't get me wrong. The Lord can bless companies and businesses and can bless you on your journey. I'm not, don't, don't take me out of context. But our actual motivations, which only you and the Lord know, are you doing things in life with the aims that he would get the glory or that you would? Will God be glorified? Imagine how that would just shift your perspective. If, if in the morning you woke up and you looked at your diary and you said, right, this is what I've got to do today. And some of you all are thinking, oh, I've got to go to work and I've got to, okay. Well, how can your day at work, your day with family, your day with whatever, how can you bring glory to God in those moments? Adrian, I'm not going to preach at them. Okay. But how can you love on them? How can you share love, grace, mercy? How can you be the person that he's called you to be? How can you perhaps step into the giftings that he's given you? Perhaps you have that gift of prophecy and perhaps you just need to push into prayer and the Lord might give you a word to share with someone at work. (gasps) But that would be giving God the glory. And it might be weird to go, "Uh, sorry, excuse me. This is, I I prayed for you this morning and you don't, I I get it. I think God's saying this and, Maybe you don't say it in that way, but, but why not? 
Because if you just say, oh, I had this random thought in my head that this might be something for you. See, that's not about God. That's about you. That's your random thought. And even though it wasn't, even though you know and you believe, it wasn't mine, it was God gave it to me, how we share it, this is the thought I have. This has just popped into my head. Well, that takes God out of it. This is, I get, I, listen, I get it. And by no means think that I'm like sorted and that everything I do, I'm doing for God. I get that. But as you're sitting yourself up on a daily basis, are you doing things in life with the aim of giving him glory? With the aim that whatever you do is for him. Now, if I'm going to be honest with y'all, I'm, I'm pretty sure most of us would say no to this. There might be some things in our diary, some things in our, you know, I'm going to do this for the Lord. Yes. I want to stand and deliver a sermon. And this is for the Lord. Yes. What about the rest of my day? What about how, when I go fuel up the van, how am I giving God the glory? How about when I call and text people? How about when I go for my weekly food shop? I don't do it. I do it online, Adrian. Okay. How about when you receive it from the delivery person at your doorstep? Do you do things thinking, actively engaging, will God be glorified? If not, then what's stopping your whatever from bringing glory to God? (laughs) And see, the thing is, these questions aren't always liked on Sunday morning services. And if you go to small groups, um, this question might come up as well, and you might not like it. So suddenly, small groups might be very lowly attended this week, because I don't want to talk about that. But, but what's stopping you? What's stopping your whatever from bringing glory to God? What's stopping the whatever you do from bringing glory to God? And you can come up if you want. You see, the thing is, the, the call that we see as, 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 as part of our verse for the year, and this is, again, just the intros touching base. But I genuinely believe that God's saying, hey, GBC family, whatever you do, whatever your work status, whatever your family status, whatever your relational status, auntie, uncle, grandmother, grandfather, father, adopted father, adopted mother, whatever, spiritual parent, whatever your role, whatever you do this year, I genuinely believe God is asking us, calling us to do it for him. Now, the reality, though, is that some of you are probably thinking, Adrian, I'm too broken to, I'm too, you don't even know, like, the list of my stuff. I don't feel strong enough. I don't feel ready enough. Like, like God can do so many things through you, Adrian, or through Mike or through others, but not through me because it's me. And I'm, like, in this place of, like, absolute, like, desolation. I'm in this desert. I'm in the, okay. You might be in that place, but you know what? Even in the valley, even in the valley, even in the driest of places, to just take that step to where God's calling you to go is doing it for him. And if, 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 if part of you dealing with the addiction is to go to rehab or to go to the counseling or to whatever, that can be giving him the glory.
It can also be a, I'm doing it in my own strength because I'm super awesome. Or it can be a, you know what, God, I can't do this without you. I can't step out of this addiction. I can't learn to love the people you've placed around me. I can't be more like Jesus. I can't X, Y, Z without you. And I want it to be for you. So Lord, by your spirit, would you fill me? Would you guide me? And Lord, if there are some food laws that I need to obey, okay, make them clear. Because I know that I can do whatever and I can eat whatever and I can drink whatever, but I don't want to unless it's bringing you glory. That same New Year's Eve party. Sorry, Ben, I maybe brought you up like 30 seconds too, too soon. They're all stood there going, seriously, what's the deal? <laughs> ben was like, I'm raring to go. Everybody was like, he's finished. Sorry. At that same New Year's Eve party. One of the things that was done, and this, this may, some of y'all may absolutely judge me for this, but that's fine. One of the things that was pulled out was the idea was, was forced fun. I'm looking at you. No, that's fine. And it was a set. No, no, no. Just because she called it forced fun. One of the things that was done was back in the day when I was in college, just before I was a Christian as well, there's a game called, <laughs> Sally just rolled her eyes. I was like, oh no, what's coming? There's a game called beer pong. Concept of the game, really simple. Big table. At the end of the table, cups filled with beer. At the party was one cup and it was empty. So there's nothing, nothing. Don't worry. But the idea was with your team member, you had to throw the cup, throw the ball into the cup. If you landed it, the other person had to drink it. Really stupid drinking game that young people do on a regular basis. But it's also a really fun competitive game that I'd love to play with just water. Like, it's fun. I'm a competitive person. You might not tell by my amazing physical physique that I love a bit of competition, but I do. And it was really funny because this thing is set up and everyone's trying to get, there's one glass and it, just, it was real simple. It wasn't like, it was just for the competition of can you get the ping pong ball into the glass? And everybody tried, young and old, from like my Josiah, who is five, through to older people than me. Everybody tried. Nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. Nobody could do it. I thought they'd been trying, like I thought some people, everyone's like, Adrian, your turn. I was like, okay. I grabbed up. First shot, I missed, but it was perfectly straight. I knew exactly what it done wrong. It wasn't hard enough. Second shot, straight in. I was the only person to land that ball in the cup that day. Most people thought, oh, flipping heck, the minister's got a pass. Now, in that moment, what I was sharing with people and doing this was something that I'm not necessarily proud of. Drinking games is not something I bear as a badge. <laughs> Let me tell you what, I could drink you under the table. I couldn't. I'm just big. I hold it well. But it helped people realize that even as a Christian, I have a past, but I also love God. And so it brought more conversation of, well, how'd you learn to do that? Where did you do that? Well, I used to, before I was a Christian, this and the other, but actually I'm really competitive. Oh, so you're bad. So, and it opened up and I was like, I literally, and you can like ask Amanda. She's like, are you really going to do it? I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. She's like, Adrian, are you really going to do it? I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And as I walked up to the table, I'm not going to sit here and go, I had this, Lord, help the ball go in the cups. I didn't do that. <laughs> but I did say, Lord, even if I'm going to do this, even if I'm going to, would it bring you glory? And the weird thing is that in that situation, in that circumstance, to those people that I was with, it did bring him glory because suddenly they realized that I can love Jesus and not be this guy stuck in an ivory tower judging them for what they're doing. Did I get drunk that night? No. Did I have a drink? Yeah. 
I too can drink. But sometimes I choose not to because in that situation, that circumstance, it won't give glory to God. There's a big but. You can laugh at it. That but is, is it giving glory to God? Was it? <laughs> for those of you who have, did not hear that, that apparent shot was called the hand of God for the rest of the evening. Uh, and still now, apparently. I did, that never got back to me, but there you go. <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's all right. We're going to spend some time in worship now because the band have been up there for a while. Sorry. I guess what I'm saying is that ultimately, regardless of where you are, whatever your situation, whatever you do can be for the glory of God. How you interact with one another, what you choose to do and not do. Even if you feel absolutely broken, even if you feel in a place of like, man, I'm struggling to even hear God, but I'm here. Okay, you're here. So what is your next step? That step is the whatever. Let's pray.